Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Good morning. Man, what a wonderful time uh, the last couple weeks have been. Uh, we didn't meet last week, uh, obviously, because we were down the street worshiping together, and that was so much fun. And, and all of the testimonies and, and all the stories that people have been telling, uh, all the ways in which we've been worshiping, and the pr- different praise teams rotating in, and all the different expressions of thankfulness before the Lord, it's been good for my soul. Even if I don't feel super rested physically, right? Which is probably how some of us might be feeling, like, oh, yeah, two weeks of rest. Now, listen, uh, rest in Scripture, as much as it's a physical thing, it's also a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Rest is about having a right heart posture before the Lord. That's where rest really comes from, is knowing that your satisfaction and your gratification in this life relies solely on who he is and what he's done for us. Now today, um, let me get a drink. I always hate doing this, so I'm going to do it now on the front end. Today we are not going to be expositing 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is where we would be usually. We'd be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll come back to that, but we will be using the passage devotionally. And so I want you to go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we'll be. And... uh, In order to stay within kind of the theme of the the 15-year celebration and Midtown Baptist Temple's birthday, uh, we are going to be talking about the significance of remembering today, okay? The significance of remembering. Um, Now, we, we haven't gotten into this yet, quite yet, but in 1 Corinthians, one of the ongoing issues that the saints in Corinth were struggling with is a misunderstanding of what the Lord's Supper was and what it was intended to do. It's an ongoing issue that we're going to see popping up here in chapter 10, but it's going to come up again in 11, and and it's going to be this thing that Paul kind of addresses off and on. Uh, The Lord's Supper is one of the two ordinances that the church was asked to adhere to until Christ returns. All right, you guys, for those of you who've been through discipleship, at least those first few lessons should be familiar with this, yeah? Right, so lesson three is the ordinances, is that correct, I think? So if you've been through lesson three, then you've learned this already. Raise your hand if you're in discipleship right now. Yeah, love it, love it. So, um, so the two ordinances, right? One of which is the believer's baptism, Right? You guys are familiar with that? Believer's baptism. Joshua today participated and obeyed the Lord in believer's baptism. So that was exciting, right? So believer's baptism publicly symbolizes the impact of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the life of the Christian. Right? It's a signifier. It displays for the, the entire congregation that you are now associating yourself with the salvation that's been bestowed upon you and you are committing your life to walking with Christ before, before the congregation of believers. And it's a communal act, right? The more people that can witness that and see that, the more people can hold you accountable, the more plugged in you'll be to the local church. And, and so that's a blessing for people who commit their lives to Christ 
is to obey the Lord in this way. And so that's one of the ordinances that we encounter, right, uh, when we're studying God's word. The other ordinance is the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper publicly memorializes the willing sacrifice of Jesus' life, how he laid his life down in order to heal us and bring us into his forgiveness. All right? And so the way that this usually works for us is that we come together and Pastor Sam will, will read from one of the few passages in scriptures that, Scripture that deals with, with the, the Lord's Supper. And he, then he will call us to worship God by taking part and breaking the, generally this really stale cracker. So the, we find the most miserable crackers, I've, I've noticed. Right? There's not, they're not salted, but, uh, uh, which is what you want in a cracker, right? Heavy on the butter, heavy on the salt. Ritz is crackers. We want, we want a Ritz cracker or a Cheez-It. But the thing is, what? A jalapeno, the spicy Cheez-Its? I'm just saying. Whoa, I didn't expect that. This is like serious. There's a, there, is a, there is a debate going on right now. But the reason that, the, the reason that we, we, we take this kind of plain, common cracker is because it shows us the humility of Christ, right? It, it shows us that, that the almighty God put on common flesh, right? He, he made himself like us. And by all appearance, he was just as sinful man, yet without sin. And so that cracker, the breaking of that cracker, it symbolizes the body that he gave us. He willingly laid down and we drink the juice, which obviously symbolizes his blood that was shed for us. And so we do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus Christ himself led his disciples in the very first Lord's Supper, he was very clear that the act of drinking the cup and breaking the bread was a spiritual operation that was necessary for the sake of remembering. It's about remembering. The reason that we do it is to remember him. So let's read Luke chapter 22. If you could turn there, keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. Luke chapter 22, verse 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples at what will be his last meal. And he says the following. When the hour was come, he sat down and the, and the 12 apostles were, uh, were with him. And, and he said unto them, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So Jesus made a couple things clear to his disciples about this performative meal, okay? Because it is, it is kind of a performance. I mean, there's symbolism taking place, and he's, being, he's showing them. He's displaying for them what this is supposed to mean. And so there's a couple things that I want to point out that are necessary in order for us to move forward, okay? What is all of this about? And what is he asking of his disciples? And so the first thing is this, okay? The first thing is this. His disciples were supposed to recreate this meal 
in remembrance of Jesus. That's the very first thing that we need to understand. This do in remembrance of me is his very words. He's asking them to do this perpetually after he's gone. Now, this is his last supper. But they will redisplay this last supper over and over and over again until they finally meet Christ for themselves. And he, he, his intention is that the wine would be a picture of Christ giving his blood for the healing of souls. All right? Mark chapter 14 affirms this. Verse 24 says, And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Okay, he's declaring this. Now, the bread was a picture of Christ's body, which, which would be broken to atone for our sins. This passage, passage tells us, He took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. And so there is symbolism taking place in this remembrance. Why is there symbolism? Because it's intended to point us back to the cross and to consider time and time and time and time again what Christ has done for us. Now, why is that necessary? Because God knows that we're prone to forgetting why do we do the Lord's Supper over and over and over again? Why is it? Because God knows that we are prone to forgetting, and we do forget. We get so busy in ministry life. We get so involved in our Bible studies and the activities that we're doing. We get so involved in our jobs and, and the things of our day-to-day -day life, the monotony of our life, that we often do forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. And the Lord's Supper is intended to call us into recollection of who he is and how good he's been to us. And so the symbols are necessary because in, in through the symbolism, we are called to engage and handle him again. The same way you did at your salvation when you were brokenhearted before the Lord and you were calling on him for repentance and salvation from your sin. In that same way, when you hold that, that, that cracker in your hand and you break it in between your fingers and you put it into your mouth, you remember that his body was broken for you. And as you take of the cup, you remember that his blood was shed for you and that his side was pierced and water and blood flowed out and all of that was done in order to wash your sins away. You have to engage it. You're forced to remember. So his disciples were called to, to do this time and time again, recreate this meal. And they have. For 2,000 years, they have. The other thing is this. That remembering Christ was supposed to be a communal act. Supposed to be a communal act. Baptism today was a communal act. Joshua got baptized before the congregation. It was very personal for him. But it was congregational, wasn't it, at the same time? The Lord's Supper is intended to be very personal for you because it is something that you do. You engage the bread and you engage the, the wine, the juice, and you, you put that in, into your mouth and you are reflecting. It's personal to you, but it's done congregationally, isn't it? It's intended to be done together. That's what God wanted from the very beginning. Take this and divide it among yourselves is what he says. Divided among yourselves because he wants them to do it together as brothers and sisters. Paul clarifies this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, for as often as ye, that's plural, right? As often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So we're supposed to be doing this together. It's, it's communal in that way. Okay, so now the question for us today as we get into our, to, to the to meat of the sermon 
is this, is the following. Okay, there should be a key question up here. Will remembering God's blessing in our lives and what he's done for us as Midtown Baptist Temple and as Kaya specifically, will remembering God's blessing on us inform our faith as we move forward in his mission? Just as the act of the Lord's Supper should call you into remembrance, why? Because God wants, wants to work in your heart and to refresh his work in your life, to remind you of the blessings so that you might bless others moving forward. We are called daily to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us that we might move forward in his mission. How do we make remembering Christ an active part of who we are as a ministry? as the college and young adult ministry? How do we do that? See, what, here's the question we're really asking is, what if the theology of the Lord's Supper was alive in our church on a daily basis? I want to briefly read our passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, verse 14 is where we're going to pick it up, and I want there to be some principles that we can walk away with today. Verse 14 says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, okay, so we're picking up with Paul's letter to Corinth, and, and we'll come back to this, and we'll look at it more in depth in terms of its context, but I want to just look at it for what it simply says right now. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, speaking to a mature audience. He's speaking to them as though they're mature enough to handle what he's about to say. Judge ye what I say. Consider it. The cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? In other words, is it not an act that we do together in communion before the Lord? Is it not with us and about him? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread, being Christ. So we're going we're to look at this a little bit more in a moment, but the last couple of weeks we've dealt a lot with remembering, haven't we? We've been doing a lot of remembering, even just today. The testimonies that have been shared are about remembering what Christ has done for us. Psalm 143, verse 5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. So I want to take a minute here to muse on what God has done specifically in Kaya. And, and my intention is that, is that we would consider and remember where God has brought us as a ministry so that we can be empowered in faith to move forward and in blessing. So in 2007, so some of you don't know this story. Some of you aren't familiar with it because you weren't here, right? And so, so let's go way back, okay? In 2007, some of you guys know Pastor Dan Renault. He had just moved uh, from Kansas City, from San Francisco. He spent a couple years in San Francisco studying to get his MFA. 
and he was doing school there, and he had just moved back. Now, at this point, we'd already been meeting for two years on Sunday nights, and, and we already had what we were referring to as a Bible study in the city. And I remember Dan moved back, and within just a couple months, they had commissioned us as a church. I remember the meeting that we had. You guys know where the conference room is? Yeah. It used to be this, I mean, the whole building was crummy, but it was this crummy room. It was like a forgotten room, and it was like a storeroom. And we went up into that room, and some of you may have been there that night, but the leaders were up in that room. There was probably about 10 of us. When a representative from Kansas City Baptist Temple, one of the pastors on staff, met with us in that room. Were you, you remember this? We were in that room, and they told us, they announced to us that we were going to be an autom- autonomous church and that we were actually turning this Bible study into a church plant. And man, it was crazy. It was crazy. And Dan was there for that. He had just moved back in town. He didn't even really know what was going on. He just wanted to be a part of it. And so he and his wife showed up. They didn't have any kids at this point. And they were in that meeting that night. And, and, and it was so powerful for all of us. But, but Dan had just gotten a job at the Kansas City Art Institute, and he was engaging with college students regularly. And there was something happening in his heart. He was, he was recognizing that maybe his place in ministry here at Midtown Baptist Temple was to start a college and young adult ministry. And that, that, you know, in the city, in Midtown, there are several different colleges here. I mean, many different colleges with lots of different young people. There's young people everywhere in the, in the urban core, isn't there? Particularly in this Westport area, lots of young people. And so Dan said to himself, Lord, if, if it be your will... I am willing to start this ministry. I'm willing to do this. And so Dan and I were chatting about this um, over the weekend, and, and I was trying to get his, his memories captured so, that, so I could express this clearly. But it didn't start, like it didn't just blossom overnight. Kaya didn't just happen, right? It wasn't just snapping your fingers and saying, let's, let's do it. And then all, all the young adults from all over Kansas City just show up. That's not, that's not how it worked. And so they actually took a month to pray. Um, and just ask the Lord, you know, Lord, would you do this work in us? Would you use us in this way? And so Dan said that, you know, those prayer meetings, there were probably 12 to 15 people that attended those prayer meetings. But once Kaya started, only three or five people attended really for the first few months. There weren't very many people there. And he said he remembered on some Sundays he would come and, 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 and he was ready to preach. He'd been studying and preparing and he would show up to Sunday school class the way we're doing right now. And it would be him and maybe one or two people right? And so they just faithfully continued to endeavor and to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, would you make use of this ministry? So, so they began praying, and in 2010, they started praying for 20 new disciples in 2010. They wanted 20 new disciples in 2010, and, and by 2011, they had grown to, to, to just that many people. They were a ministry, so they asked the Lord, give us 20 people, and by 2011, they were 20 people strong, and this is when small groups began to start. Right? We, we, we recognize small groups. We have small groups in ministry even now in Bible studies. And so they started small groups and, and Andrew Ong joined the ministry in that time frame and they began emphasizing a need to reach internationals. And so this is where FOI was born. Now it started slow. Dan was very involved and, and everybody, every one of those 20 people were really involved in making sure that we were reaching internationals. And so they were busy on campus at UMKC. And then the Lord brought in five Korean students into the ministry. And after prayer and investing the gospel in them, all five of these Korean students came to Christ. And I remember, I remember Dan baptizing them on a Sunday morning. And, and really, that moment, that moment right there was the spark of something new. Something had changed. 
all of the prayers that they had prayed, they were coming to fruition and God was building out his ministry and there was momentum and they could see that, that all of that time in the wilderness, couple years of praying, God, give us, give us souls, it was actually beginning to happen and God was using them just the way Dan had imagined in 2007. Now from 2013 to 2016, small groups began to grow and as, you, as many of you know, in 2016, uh, the Lord drew Dan away from this ministry to go plant a church in Lee Summit. And, uh, and that's, when, that's when I joined myself to, to this work. And at that point, the ministry was about 60 people. And I can vividly remember the very first thing that I participated in was the fall retreat. And uh, at the time, the fall retreat uh, was it took place in, a, in a, like a cabin area. We were down in Arkansas, the same way we do it, but it was at a smaller facility and there were less people than this section right here. I was like maybe about this many people crammed into this kind of living room area. And, uh, and I got to preach my very first sermon and this is where Dan and I kind of shook hands and, uh, and, and he walked away, he stepped away and I stepped in. And, and I remember, you know, on my ride down to the fall retreat, um, and I remember even saying this to Dan. I think Eric was in the car with us that day. We like to ride down to the fall retreat together and talk ministry and stuff. I remember saying, you know, I, I have no desire to, to change anything, right? Like, like I want to just get, get familiar with the ministry. I just want to get my feet wet. And, and I'm sure that in time, maybe in six months, God will show me that whatever it is that needs to happen, we'll, we'll begin praying for that and we'll see God work. But by the time I had gotten to the retreat, I was verbalizing those things with my mouth, but I was already beginning to feel in my heart that God was providing a really clear message to me and to the ministry, and that was that, that Bible studies are the key to reaching the city, that, a, that a, people were gonna come to Christ if they were exposed to the Bible, and what that meant is that, that we need to, needed to multiply the Bible studies, that that was the key to evangelizing our city and exposing people to the gospel. I, I knew that in my heart. And so in one of my sermons, it was probably the second night, um, in the corner of my eye, Al Alex was sitting in the back, actually just like this, in the very back, <laughs> daydreaming about something, you know. I think there was a couch in the room, and he was kind of on the couch in the back of the room looking real comfy. And uh, I remember as I was preaching, I began just like the, this kind of just began coming out of my mouth. And uh, at the time, there were only five Bible studies in our ministry. Between FOI and just general Kaya Bible studies, you know, as a whole, there was only five Bible studies. And I remember looking back at Alex at the time, he was in Bible study with Uriah and Miles. They were all like in one spot, like consolidated, which like, what? Like, so I looked at him and I, and I said, what? Oh, they're, 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 all the dudes, like right in the back. You guys are still bums. <laughs> Just sitting back there in the back. They're back there probably texting and chatting, like telling jokes right now. But I looked at Alex and I said, there's no reason why See, Alex and Amanda had just recently gotten married and they lived in Grandview. And I said, there's no reason why Alex and Amanda shouldn't be starting a Bible study in Grandview. And there is no reason why we shouldn't be multiplying this work. But it's gonna take sacrifice. Now, at the time, Alex looked at me like, he was, like I was crazy because it wasn't in his mind. And I'm, I actually remember wrestling with Alex and Amanda about this in prayer and telling them, guys, God has made you capable 
because they didn't want to do it. They were afraid and they, they didn't think that, that they were able to do it. They were afraid of the risk associated with it. But we, we wrestled with it in prayer and they agreed. Now, shortly after that, I was thinking to myself, well, why aren't we on UMKC's campus? Why, why is it only FOI that's doing any ministry engagement at UMKC? And I looked around at our men and I thought, why are our men on UMKC's campus? I mean, it was a small ministry. I mean, I could tell you why. They were all working jobs and they decided not to go to college. That's why no one was at UMKC. No one was going to school. And so I, I said, you know, I, it was pretty shortly after this, I was talking to my leaders and, and, and the leaders in this ministry. And I said, why, why are there no men at UMKC? Why don't we have Bible studies every night of the week at UMKC? There's no reason. Who will go? And pretty soon after that, Miles said, I'll go. He wasn't a student anymore at UMKC, but he said, I'll go. There were no men's Bible studies on campus at UMKC. And now I believe there's what, six or seven? And Miles went, went back to lead that charge. And so this is, this is the kind of thing that God's been doing in our ministry. And, and God's been using, using leaders who are willing to take risks and willing to be full of faith and so we've gone from five or six Bible studies to 43 small groups in our ministry. And I want to be real honest with you. I want to be frank with you. I will not be satisfied until we have 100 small groups in this ministry. And our Bible studies should be comprised of, of 50% members from, from MBT and 50% lost people and people who've not been churched. If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, you should be inviting lost people. That's the goal of the Bible studies is you should be inviting lost people into those small groups and you should be asking them and inviting them to open the Bible with you on break at lunch and you should be drawing them into the church through Bible study because we want to see souls saved. So 100 Bible studies totally make sense to me if it's a three or four people from our church and three or four people from the lost world coming and engaging. That totally makes sense to me, which means that some of you will be Bible study leaders before you know it. But this is what God's been doing. This is the vision for our ministry. If I was to, to summarize it, it would be like this. The vision for our ministry is to win Kansas City to Christ and disciple all that God will give us. But there's also another objective and vision in mind, and it's this, to mature young adults to a place of leadership and readiness for church planting and leadership in other places. So while we do Bible study and our hope is to evangelize and draw people in, my hope and, and my desire is that in time, the trickle of people like Jorge and Gabrielle and Brooke and, and, and the team that's going to Vietnam, that that would increase and increase and increase. And this class, this group of people would be just what Sam asks it to be, a finishing school for maturity. That the reason that you're here and you're in this place is because you're being invested in and as you turn into the leader that God has called you to be, that you will take greater and greater risks. And my prayer, my prayer is that that would primarily be church planting. That you would say to yourself, God has risen me up to a position where I have some maturity and in humility and brokenness, I am willing to go wherever he would call me, whether that be Vietnam, whether that be, whether that be Iowa, whether that, whether that be Texas, whether that be Nairobi, I'm willing 
That's my prayer for this ministry. It's the vision. I believe we're just beginning to see God do this. It's only just beginning. And, and just as Sam says, we've just seen the tip of the iceberg. This room can hold 400 people in Sam's estimation. <laughs> Listen, there is a city to be one for Jesus Christ. And many Christians that have gone before you have quit. They've quit. They've inundated themselves. They've distracted themselves. They've quit the mission. Why? Because life. Because better things. If we commit ourselves in faith, we, faith, we are just, just beginning to see what God is going to do. Now, what does this all have to do with the Lord's Supper and, and our 15-year celebration? What does all this have to do with that? Verse 16 says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. God has richly blessed us with salvation, hasn't he? He's gifted you with the gift of salvation. And he's made us together partakers with him in a mission to make worshipers of our world. This is worthy of remembrance. Taking time to reflect on all the things that God has done. He's worthy of that. It's worthy of our consideration. It's worthy of our reflection. It's worthy of our journaling. It's worthy of our tears. It's worthy of our prayers. It's worthy of our praise. It's worthy of our thankfulness. It's worthy of our testimony with our friends and with our family. It's worthy of that. It's, he's worthy of us remembering. And with that, we must remember that God's mission in our ministry, it's not intelligence that got our church to where we're at. It's not how much we know about the Bible that's got us to this place. It's not how strategic that we've been. If you believe that, it's a lie. It's not how well we understand the culture of our city or how well we know how to minister to them. It's not those things. It's his, it's his blessing that we must remember. It's his good gifts that we must remember. And the success of the next 15 years will not be measured in terms of how many people are in the pews or how much money is in the bank or how many churches we've planted. No, the success of the next 15 years has everything to do with whether or not we will be a unified people who sincerely believe and obey Jesus Christ. See, we have to remember that your Bible study's growth and the souls that you've seen saved, that's not because your Bible study pressed in harder. Though you should press in harder. See, the reason that that happened 
is because of things like prayer after prayer. Just a humble 10 or 15 minutes of prayer before the Lord every Tuesday night after prayer service. You know, uh, it wasn't long ago that Connor came to Bible study broken because she was seeing no fruit. Or sorry, the Bible study leaders meeting broken because she was seeing no fruit in her Bible study. She couldn't get traction at, at, at KU. She, couldn't, she didn't know if it was just a barren wasteland or if there was actually souls to be saved. And the Bible study leaders prayed with her. 10 minutes, earnestly beseeching the Lord, tears were cried, and God heard. I remember there was one night, we had a Bible study leaders meeting, and uh, for, you know, we meet with the different Bible studies, and Alex is helping me do this now, but um, Andy Cardona and Larry showed up to my house, and I said, where's your Bible study at? And they're like, well... Carlos is busy tonight. I think he was working or something. The baby was just born. You were busy around that, that time. And as a, outside of the three of us, this is it. We haven't won anybody. And we're not sure what to do. There's just so few of us. We're just a humble people. And so if, instead of meeting that night, we basically just prayed. And now that's a fruitful Bible study. Why? Because they have solutions? Because they have answers? Because they tapped into the right thing? Listen, Kaya. Our ministry will always be limited by our lack of faith in prayer. You want to see this room filled with people celebrating the goodness of God and remembering him with us? then you remember him. Psalm 34 says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. I've got one key point for you. It's not on the screen. You ready for it? When we remember God, he remembers us. When we remember God, he remembers us. And by remembrance, I mean rest. I mean rest in him and know him and recollect him. So let's remember how we've been blessed in order to remember how we will be blessed. Let's remain unified and full of faith. 
Let's be faithful because he's faithful. Let's remember that his blessing is not contingent on our power, but his grace and his power. We need him. We're not done. Now, now I want you to anticipate this ministry is gonna continue to change because if we're gonna plant churches and we're gonna be effective, that means it demands transition, it demands change, and so we've gotta be ready for that, and that hurts sometimes. It hurts to lose people like Jorge and Gabrielle, but the ministry is adapting, and, and the ministry, rec- like we can grieve that and celebrate it at the same time and not ever miss a heartbeat, right? Like, God wants to use us. He wants to use you. He wants to train you. He wants to teach you. He wants to use you. But it's going to require something of you. It's going to require, in the quietness of your own heart, every single day, breaking the bread and drinking the wine and remembering what he's done for you to bless you and to bring you where you're at. Why? because it stokes the power of faith in us and it calls us to more. You wanna know why you're frustrated or disappointed or lack rest or burdened or you're tired or whatever it is, like the things that get in the way, that slow you down, it's like walking in mud in ministry. You you wanna know why you're like that? It's not because you need a nap. It's because you need to remember Christ. You need to remember him. So I I wanted to to prepare a message that would be shorter and devotional because I want to spend more time in worship and praise. And so we're going to invite the worship team up because God deserves our praise. But listen, don't, don't, don't check out because here's the invitation. Here's the invitation. I need you to hear this. There are people in the room right now who've only really just been attending this ministry for a while. And we love that you're here. We're so thankful that you've been coming and you're checking things out. But I want to be bold and make a request to you. As, as If the Lord is using this ministry in your life and you feel in your heart an inkling to be joined to it, to, to this work and to the, th- the things that I talked about today, if those things resonate with you and you're saying, I'd love to be a part of something like that, well, well you are. You've already, God has already brought you here. So be with us. Come, come endeavor with us in this work. Come remember with us and endeavor with us in this work. And so we're gonna do an invitation during this first song of worship and there'll be leaders up here, but I'm gonna ask something very specific of you. If, you, if you've been attending here and you're not yet a member, I wanna invite you to the new members meeting. It's Saturday, November 19th. Come learn about who our church is. Or maybe, maybe you recognize, we had all those people raise their hands because they're doing discipleship. They raised their hands and said, yeah, I'm in discipleship. Maybe you need to be trained in God's word. Maybe you need to commit your life to Christ through the work of discipleship. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's the next step. And so what I want to tell you is that December 3rd is our cost of discipleship class. And I want to invite you, come learn of the Lord. Join us. Or maybe you just need to consider engaging with the Bible study. Maybe that's your first step. I want all the Bible study leaders to raise your hand right now. If you lead a Bible study in this ministry, there are men and women 
on every day of the week in every part of our city. Okay? And so if you see a hand that you recognized and you, you need a Bible study, go talk to that person. Thank you, leaders. Go talk to that person. It's time. Okay, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do with yourself? What are you going to do with yourself? What plans do you have that are better? I mean, try to, try to think and try, try right now before the Lord, justify your career, your activities, your hobbies. Try to tell the Lord right in this moment, tell the Lord why you can't follow him with everything that you have. He's worthy. And he's bigger than you. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than your plans and your activities and all the things. Oh, that sounds real radical. That's a form of Christianity that I'm just not sure if I'm ready for. Listen to me. Don't waste your life with the vain pursuits of the world. Lean in and believe. He wants to use you. He loves you. Remember, he gave his life for you, for you. So you ought to give your life for him. Let's pray, let's worship. If you know that there's something God's doing in your life, there are leaders up here that can help you. They can get you signed up for Cost of Discipleship, new members. They can find a Bible study for you. If you need to repent of sin in your life, come forward and meet with one of the counselors and come find Christ, come find rest. Come remember the Lord with us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the praise of your good name, Lord. I, I desire to muse upon you and remember your holiness and your goodness towards me. You've been so faithful to me. And you've been faithful to the people in this room. And Lord, I know that there are people right now that are wrestling with what it is they're supposed to do. That's fine, Lord. Would you wrestle with them? It's not my responsibility, it's yours. Lord, use your Holy Spirit to show them exactly what the next steps for them are. But Lord, don't let them get away with wasting their life, please. Lord, if there's anyone in the room today who does not know you as their Savior, they've never put their faith in you. They're only just beginning to believe. God, I pray that you would call those people forward as well to meet with someone, to talk through whether or not they've actually decided <laughs> that they believe that Jesus Christ died for their sin and rose again to defeat death on their behalf. Come, Lord, call them and bring them to come and, and to grapple with that with us. But Lord, be at work and use, use this people. You've done so much in such a short period of time. Lord, we don't want that to just be a monument to the past. We want to remember what you've done. So Lord, you will continue to do that work in our midst and do it even more mightily. You'd be more bountiful, that you would use this ministry even more. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.